0: And welcome live to the studio here at Small Business Matters. You're with Alexi Boyd. Thank you for joining me for another week full of small business education and lovers of all things small business. It's been a big week for small business here on the calendar. Uh, We've had this little thing called an election happen very recently. And um, good to see Michaelia Cash back on in cabinet with her uh, small business portfolio and extended portfolio as well and i'm sure she'll be fine to handle that it's good to see small business on the agenda when it comes to the federal government now today we are talking all things insurance now i can hear a few of you going oh insurance i know i've got to do it i know i've got to get it organized and i know i've got to get round to doing it but it is a pretty crucial part of running a business you ask yourself you know do i need it it can be confusing what types of insurance do i need what level of cover how how high do I need to cover myself? Why on earth do I need $20 million worth of public liability, for instance? And the biggest question of all for small businesses is when do I need insurance? Am I really that important? Um, do, I, do I make enough money? Am I do I have large enough risks? Do I have enough property where it becomes crucial? And, and how do I start to quantify that to be able to shop around? Well, who better to ask than the founder of Australia's leading online small business insurance service, Michael Gottlieb. He is the BizCover. He, biz he is the founder of BizCover. It's an online platform that changed the way micro, small and medium-sized businesses buy insurance online. Uh, it provides multiple insurance quotes, straight away and the ability to select and purchase the right cover immediately. It's got 100,000 clients, so I imagine that Michael is definitely brilliantly placed to offer his expertise to our Small Biz Matters listeners. Welcome to the show, Michael.
1: Thank you very much, Alexi. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for having me. That's
0: an absolute pleasure. I'm really excited about having you on the program, actually, because um, we've been talking about having you on for a while. But it's uh, it's a really important thing, isn't it? Insurance. I mean, it's it's kind of up there with you know your accountants, your legals, your insurance. It's all that compliance stuff. And and um, in your experience working working in the field for so long, do you think that businesses kind of Leave it to the to the end of their list of things to do, is it or do they avoid it? are they fearful of it what What do you think the feel, feeling is around the small business community when it comes to insurance, or are we getting better at it?
1: yeah, I mean I think those are great questions and I think you're very intuitive around that it's uh, I think traditionally insurance has been very difficult to get. Um, our industry has not made it easy for people to navigate through uh, you know the the purchase of of insurance, whether it's around uh, understanding what is available in the marketplace or where they can get it from. Uh, the fact that, it, you know, there's been very little online uh, offering of insurance has made it very difficult for people to get it. So people have tended to put it into the, into the too hard basket. It ends up uh, being something that they leave to last. And, uh, you know, often they require it as part of a contract or part of a, you know, regulatory requirement. So it ends up being very rushed and uh, and, and something that most people just prefer to, to not to not have to do.
0: Yeah, I know. Many, many consultants or professionals out there would say, how many times have you had small business owners who are your clients race up to you and go, oh, I need an insurance broker because I've got to do this market stall or I've suddenly realised I need to have $20 million of public liability because this particular council who wants to hire me needs me to have it. Um So do you think it's still a bit of a last minute process in in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is. I think uh, today there's there's certainly more options now. So, uh, you know, you can go through the traditional channel of your broker, but there are also online options now. So things can happen more instantaneously instead of the process taking a week to two weeks. Uh, things can happen now in, in minutes or, you know, 10, 15 minutes. You can be done with your insurance because there, you know, there are options online. So I, I think it has become easier. And if it's one of the to-do things that you have when you set up a business, uh, then it's, it's something that you can tick off a lot easier now than you could a few years ago.
0: Do you think that it's... Um made it easier or or are people ill-prepared when they do those online, um, you know, setups? Are they just kind of going in there and going, I have a vague idea of what my turnover is or what my uh, stuff is that I need to ensure my inventory. I have a a, a vague idea about it. So I'm just going to throw in some numbers. Or do they come better prepared because it's an easier process to do these things online?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's less complicated than people think it is. So uh, you know, most people know what their turnover is and how many staff they have, what their address is, uh, and what their occupation is. So really, those are the kind of the key things that you need to you know to get your insurance in place. Uh, and the beauty about the insurance industry is it's been it's been around for a long time. Uh, and what that means is they've created specific and tailored products you know, for certain occupations. So if you think about uh, any kind of professional, whether you're a, some kind of consultant, accountant, uh, an allied health professional, anything, you know, that, that's in the professional sca- landscape, those people typically buy professional indemnity, public liability, and they probably should buy cyber insurance. Where, whereas if you're a tradesperson or, or providing some kind of service, uh, those, prof- those people generally need public liability and, and, you know, their tool of the trade is very important. So they should ensure their tool of the trade. And if you're a retail shop or a cafe restaurant, uh, there's something called a biz pack, which really covers all the insurances that you need under one product, um, or most of the insurances that you need under one product, uh, the most common one being public liability. So, um, I think that the, the, the industry has streamlined this for small business, uh, and there's, you know, very specific products that, uh, you know, that small businesses need so it's it's it, navigating it has become a lot easier than it used to be
0: so it's easier to get the right type of insurance because i guess the questions that, that need to be asked are not so um congruous said they're easier to understand if you're a small business owner is it hard for those um you know migrants or people with english as a second language to navigate that or again is the industry getting better and that is your in your opinion
1: uh, that's a fabulous ob- observation. I think that it, it definitely is very much an English-centric industry at the moment. And, and because it's a legal contract and our courts apply everything in in you know in an English language, um, all the contracts that you enter into are in, in English.
0: Are they? Um, <laughs> yeah, they are. Well,
1: it's, it's a great point. Yeah. They, they're in legalese. I'm not sure it's English, but it's... Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, so, yeah, once it's a foreign language, it becomes much more difficult. Mm. And actually, from a contractual perspective, um, I, I think 100% of policies are actually issued in... In English.
0: That's right. So, you know, I mean, any of you out there who are listening, who may have um, English as a second language or have other language difficulties or barriers, um, maybe going to a professional association or seeking the help from other more experienced businesses in your industry, mentors, for example, is that a good place to start? Do you think?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that uh, you know, again, from from you know, from my perspective, I think that the industry's done a great job in in simplifying what you need as a as a um, as a small business owner. Uh, and as I say, whether it's a professional, a trade, or a or, or a retail outlet, there's, there's really very specific products that you need. And, uh, the beauty about these products is they're relatively broad. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there, there are a lot of, you know, good brand names and, and good insurers out there that you can get your insurance from. Uh, if you have a problem with the language barrier, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you should look for some kind of mentor or, or someone who can help you along the way. Uh, but you know, as long as you can get through the process, typically those products are, are very well suited to your industries.
0: Let's talk about underinsurance because that is a little bit of an issue within the industry as a whole. Small businesses are notorious for not being fantastic at compliance because we don't have a legal team behind us. Yeah. Um, so, how big a problem is underinsurance um, within the small business community?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I'm, you know, I think it's it's like most other things. You get you get a varied response to that. So you have some businesses that are uh, you know adequately and, and very well protected. You get those who are uh, somewhat protected, and then you get those who choose to go naked. Uh, and um, you know, there's there's certainly a category of you know for, you know the, the, there's businesses in each of those categories. Um, the statistics say about 13% of businesses are completely uninsured, and over 20% are underinsured. Um, again, I think that you know, the the way I always like to to talk about this is that everybody believes that it won't happen to them, but the reality is. It does, and it, and it is likely to happen to uh, a number of businesses that over the course of their business that they will have some kind of insurance claim. Um, that doesn't mean you should insure against everything. Uh, the way we always explain it and we like to talk about it is it's really about the severity of a claim rather than the probability. Uh, and what we mean by that is that really insurance is about transferring the financial risk to somebody else. So if, that, if, the, if what happens, if the event that occurs is too great for you to absorb the financial impact, that is something that you should insure against. Even if the probability is 0. 0.001%, if it happens and you lose your business and you lose your livelihood, uh, you're probably going to say, that is something I should have insured against. And that's why the probability really just impacts the price, but it shouldn't impact whether you buy it or not. Um, and the example that I often give is you know a a much greater proportion of people would buy insurance to protect their mobile phone now a mobile phone can be very expensive but the reality is if you lose it break it you probably can replace it uh, and you probably can afford to replace it whereas if you have something like a public liability a professional indemnity or a cyber insurance claim or, or attack it's highly unlikely you will survive that unless you did have insurance Uh, the cost of insuring your mobile phone is probably not that different to insuring some of the other products.
0: So it's like as a small business, we need to do our own little algorithm. We need to think to ourselves not to worry so much about the likelihood of something happening. Because you're right. I mean, mobile phones, they drop, they smash, they disappear, they get stolen. Uh, But the the things that are less likely, but will really take your business down, they're the ones that you need to think about insuring and and being conscious of. Is it A good idea when you're first starting out to sit down and think about this because it's hard when you're first beginning a business. You're not sure what your earning capacity is. You're not sure which direction your business is going to go. Are you better off being in business for a few months first, or do you just start with a really basic package and then re-examine whether or not you're insured properly a few months down the track? What's what's your best advice to people starting out?
1: Yeah, I think there's a number of reasons people, people buy insurance. So the first is that they're required to have it for regulatory purposes if they're part of a professional body. They're required to have it as a contract if they're entering onto a construction site, or if they have a premises, their landlord is likely to require them to have public liability. <laughs> so... Um, As a startup business, there is a a high likelihood that you're required to have it for some reason. Um, And those are the basics that you really should buy. As you build your business, if you go back to the point that I I was saying before, which is really it's about transferring the financial risk of your business to, to somebody else's balance sheet. If you have nothing to lose then the reason that you're insuring is really for the public good. You, you're you insuring because you care about your customers or if you do something wrong, the right thing is to is to have some kind of compensation mechanism in place behind you, et cetera. Um, but the reality is that the primary purpose of insurance is to protect yourself and or to protect your business against the financial risk of an event. So if you don't have a business and if you haven't built it up, then you certainly can start with a much more simplified package. And as you have more contents or more staff or more assets and more turnover, you can build up your package along the way.
0: Let's talk about those um, those fundamentals to begin with, like little building blocks, if you will, for insurance. You mentioned the necessary, ne- ne- the need to have it if you're part of a professional association, for example, yep. the need to have it if you have customers come to you, which is almost everyone. Almost everyone has customers coming to them. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about um, those building blocks. You mentioned professional indemnity. Um public liability um, uh, business interruption insurance and uh, cyber insurance or personal accident could you just yep. briefly explain each of those components for us
1: yeah with pleasure I mean the way that we try to look at it is rather rather than speak about products is we try to speak about you know the customers themselves and and you know leave the insurance lingo for the insurance companies and and the people involved in that industry um, so if we look at it from the top and we take You know, if we start into the three segments and we look at professionals, trades and retail, if we start on professionals, really the core products that you need to buy are professional indemnity, public liability and for many professionals, cyber insurance.
0: So this is like the consultants aspect of things.
1: Yes, consultants, accountants, um, you know, bookkeepers. People who sit on their bum. People who, well, and allied health professionals. Right, who, who stand. Who, who stand, yeah, on their feet. Um, but really are providing advice to a customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the professional indemnity covers you for a breach of your professional duty. Sorry for the, you know, legalese with uh, that. No, that makes perfect that. sense. But it's, you know, if, if someone alleges that they have suffered a loss because of the advice or the service that you provided them, that is what professional indemnity covers. Public liability is really around... Um, A bodily or property damage as a result of your professional service. And you mentioned that most people have uh, customers coming to them. Uh, But, you know, the reality is that in the new gig economy, there are a lot of consultants and contractors that, you know, arguably don't have customers coming to them. And the probability of having a public liability claim is very, very small. But the severity is extreme. And even if you're going out to someone else's site and you cause a bodily injury or a property damage, uh, you need to have public liability. So the key building blocks for a professional is professional indemnity and public liability. As soon as you have uh, a website or something where you're reliant on your technology platform – uh, you absolutely should be buying cyber insurance, which I think is probably the most underinsured risk in Australia.
0: I want to talk a little, a little bit about cyber security, um, sorry, sorry, cyber insurance a little bit more after the break. So we're going to take a quick break here on Small Business Matters. There is A jam-packed show going on right now with us. We're talking to Michael from BizCover. And um, if you've only just tuned in, stay with us because we're going to be talking more about how to insure your business properly, the different types of insurance and particularly the insurance that people tend to be underinsured for. You're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We'll be back after this. Now, today we are talking to Michael Gottlieb from BizCover. He's the CEO and the founder and, of course, perfectly placed to let us know all about the best way to be insured. And just before the break, we were talking about uh, different types of insurance, the building blocks, if you will, when you're first starting out, what you need, what you maybe consider to... um, set up as an estimate to begin with and then reassess maybe a year down the track. Now, we talked about professionals and consultants before the break. Let's talk about the trades and retail and bricks and mortar because in your experience, do they tend to be underinsured? Do they tend to be um, insuring the wrong types of things? How How can they do it better?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I think there's, you know, a varied response to that. You get those that are adequately insured and you get those who aren't. Um, I think the the trades and services people are, are generally more adequately insured than, than the retail segment. And again, I think it's due to the simplicity of what is required as a as a tradesman or, or you know, or if you're providing a service. So, again, if you think about the building blocks, the key product that uh, any trade tradesman or tradesperson should have is public liability. So, once again, uh, you know, it, it covers... The tradesperson for uh, a bodily injury or property damage as as a result of their professional, you know, their, um, of their trade. Uh, so if you think about dial before you dig," you know, if you if you, you know, hit a pipe or if you, uh, you know, break someone's, you know, if you're a lawnmower and 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 you, a stone hits somebody's window and cracks the window, etc. It's the property or the it's the property damage or the or the personal uh, injury that. that It's
0: funny you should say that about the dial before you dig because there seems to be a lot better education around the trades when it comes to insurance. I mean, you know, many of us um, would deal with with tradies quite a bit and it seems to be that they have an idea about the risks that are involved and the types of insurance that they need. Are they simply better educated when they come out of their their field of um, their TAFE courses or whatever it is that they're doing for their tertiary education? Are they better prepared because they've got that idea about what the risks are, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that's possibly correct. I think possibly there is a bit, a bit of education that they go through, uh, insurance education that they get along there you know, when, they, when they're doing their course. Uh, I think also if you're part of a franchise or if you're on a construction site or uh, if you uh, you know, really, for almost all jobs, you need some kind of insurance. So uh, a lot of them have that core building block of public liability, uh the the other type of insurance that really forms part of that building block is if you have a specific tool of the trade that you need to perform your your trade well if you don't have that you probably can't perform it mm. so uh the two kind of key things that that tradespeople buy is their public liability and then covering their tool tools of the trade um and then for those uh tradespeople that find it difficult to get uh you know life insurance or income protection you can also get a personal accident and illness type product uh, which is relatively easy to get from a from a general insurance perspective it's
0: like what you were saying at the beginning of the program that the insurance agency insurance Industry has been around for so long that it's really become to understand what the needs are for each of the different sectors of the small business economy, and the products are getting much more uh, well built around those needs. Would you Would you agree that's the case?
1: That's absolutely the case, and I think the you know the building blocks that we're speaking about is is really what almost all trades people would need, uh, and arguably nothing more than that. Obviously, they they may need to cover their their motor vehicle if they have a motor vehicle, but uh, you know there's probably not much more that they need than, than those core building blocks and really the only time they need more is if they are starting to build a business that then has staff and has mm. uh, you know other other trades that work for them and then then all of a sudden they have a small business which has other exposures they may have an office they may have you know contents like computers or you know uh, tables and chairs and etc that they want to ensure uh, but really up until that point it's really about protecting the, the public liability and the tool of the trade that they're using to to perform their, their trade
0: now, let's talk about the not so nice aspect of the industry, which I guess is the claims process. I mean, I think that, I think obviously, well, in my opinion, I believe things are improving and it's it's a lot easier, the process, and it seems to be more automated, which in a way is good. Um, why is it that the industry maybe has a bit of a, a negative side to it when it comes to the claims process? Is that the reality, do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's a, a really sad situation that, uh, you know, that, that When you speak to the vast majority of people, they don't don't like insurance, they don't like insurance companies, and they feel that insurance companies don't pay claims. Um, The reality and uh, the statistics are that over 90% of claims are paid. Um, So it is definitely not correct to believe that insurance companies don't pay claims. They do unfortunately i think the process sometimes in order to get your claim paid can be very very difficult and in order to get your claim paid you may feel bruised along the way which therefore gives people a negative perception around the insurance company i think there's some work to be done here by both insurance companies and the education around what is needed to get the claim paid there's obviously you know it's a a, you're paying you know in reality the percentage of premium that you're paying or the cost of the insurance is is negligible compared to the claim amount and therefore uh, if insurers were just to pay out on everything uh, you know it would it would become you know, a a very difficult situation for them. So there is a process that they have to go through, they do need to have adequate information and make sure that the claim is a legitimate claim. Uh, But once that has been established, the the vast majority of insurance companies that we've dealt with uh, have been very good around settling those claims.
0: Can you talk to me about what a business can do to make that process easy? Obviously, when you're in a high stress situation, because something's broken, or your business is burnt down, heaven forbid. uh, Is it, it, that's obviously not a time that you should be thinking about trying to gather all of the information together. So what are some really good strategies that businesses can walk away with today that they might say, okay, in the event of this happening, here's all the information that I need for that. Have you got any top tips around that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it also goes both ways. I think from an insurance company perspective, we probably need more empathy around this. So, uh, you know, someone has potentially just lost their business, lost their livelihood to really have much more empathy around how we deal with these people um, and understand, you know, the, the, the impact it's had on them. Uh, and then I think from the insured's perspective, really to, to be organized before the event. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, it's, it's very easy to say and it's more difficult to do. You know, most of us are pretty chaotic in our personal lives and in our business lives. But really, it is about understanding, you know, in the example that you've given where, where something has has burned down, it's understanding what assets you have and having proof of, of those assets and the cost of those assets and being able to repl- where where you would replace those assets how much they cost etc so you know having yourself adequately insured with the right sums insured and and, and limits of indemnity makes it a lot easier uh, and it's like everything the preparation really uh, is the hard work once you know once you have the claim or once you know something happens uh, it's about you know how well you're prepared beforehand uh, to be able to provide the information that you need to for the insurance company.
0: And, and it's about that rule as well, the golden rule of backup, backup, backup. Have all of your documentation, all your stuff in one place so that when you need to provide the evidence to show what was lost or, or what um, assets you did have that are now gone, you've got that on hand. So um, is that one of the things you're still experiencing or is business getting better at making sure that they can access that documentation to prove what was lost is gone?
1: Yeah, it's absolutely. It's a huge issue, and it's not only the documentation around the physical property that you're speaking about, but it's in the type of insurances that we've been speaking about to date, which has rarely been around the professionals and the trades. The focus has been on professional indemnity and public liability, and typically those are claims made against the business by third parties because a third party suffered a loss or a bodily damage or property mm-hmm. you know, bodily injury or property damage. Um, so in those situations, even having the documentation around. Uh, you know the 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 terms of the contract that you had with your customer or uh, you know the communication that you had with your customer whether it was via email or uh, or if it was written correspondence you know etc even having that form of documentation available is is very important when you spoke about uh, something burning again there we're talking about more of a retail store and uh, you know or possibly a cafe or restaurant and you know if we go back to what we're speaking about around the building blocks once again, the core thing that that uh, retail shops and, and cafes, restaurants should have is really the public liability. And then, depending on what they have within their um, within their business, so if they have lots of stock, uh, they should ensure that stock. Or if they have refrigeration, that's important; they need to make sure that that refrigeration's covered. Uh, if they have you know electronic equipment and that's critical to them, then they need to make sure if that breaks down that they are insured for that. And all those products or all those coverages. Uh, are under one product called a business pack. The key part of under-insurance is really around business interruption. Mm. Um, And what's really interesting is you get a lot of businesses that adequately protect themselves around so many things, uh, but then they have a fire and possibly they can get, you know, everything replaced because they're adequately insured, but they haven't taken out business interruption. Yeah. And therefore, they have no income coming in for the six or 12 months that it takes to rebuild or, or, you know, restart their business. Uh, Yet, they have all their expenses.
0: Is that part of a pack? Like when people um, call up and they say, oh, I want to insure my business, is that something that's already part of it, an established business pack as you describe it or is it an add-on and do you find that people say oh I don't need that take it off is that is that why the under insurance is actually happening because people are saying that's not necessary
1: yeah I, I think so so to answer your first question it is part of a pack so in a business pack you get a number of sections that are optional and you can choose to insure them or not Uh, The first section and the most obvious section is public liability, but then you can ensure everything from your buildings to your contents within the building uh, to the business interruption, the electronic equipment breakdown, machinery breakdown, et cetera. So it's typically all in one package for Mm. uh, any form of retail outlet, so again, cafe, restaurant, retailer, et cetera. Um, and they can get you know almost all the insurances and usually not auto insurance or their car insurance within that package. Mm. Um, so so yes, it's 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 all there. And and if they uh, want to get it all, it's it's all available. Uh, th- again, the big issue that people have is they insure. Um, so hopefully, they adequately ensure what they have and what they can see. Uh, they don't necessarily understand the consequences of their of the claim.
0: Is that because we all underestimate our own value, and we know that fundamentally, in terms of mental health, that's something that small businesses have a big issue with, which is underestimating. <laughs> what they're actually worth. Do you think that's part and parcel of that um, that inability to really see value in your own time and in in fact, even your earning capability? Do you think that that's part of it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, I often say to people, if, if you had a guaranteed, if someone gave you a, an asset that was giving you a guaranteed income, would you insure it? And the answer is yes. And then like, well, why wouldn't you insure your business, right? So, it's the same concept. Mm. But I think the other thing is on the flip side of that, Uh, we also have a belief that it won't happen to us. Yeah. And, And, you know, even if it does happen to us, it won't be that bad. Um, and again, this comes back down to in the beginning of the show, we were speaking about the probability versus the severity. Uh, and the key thing I always like to just re-emphasize and re-emphasize is don't worry about the probability. That If it's a low probability, it should just make your insurance cheaper. But if you're going to lose your business, if you're going to lose your livelihood, if you're not going to be able to take care of your family because you no longer have your business, those are the things you should insure against. And business interruption forms a key component of that, particularly for a retail business.
0: Now, I want to talk about, we're um, we going to come uh, have a quick break now and then we When we come back, I want to talk about uh, that massive business interruption, which is digital disruption, uh, and that can take the form of obviously cyber effects or cyber attack or or even just something happening to your server or, or your hardware um, and that, that can be much more detrimental than even say some property damage. So I want to take a break and then we'll, we'll come back and talk uh, with Michael from BizCover a little bit more about that. You've been listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We'll be back after this. And you're back in the room with Triple H 100.1 FM and Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We're also live across the community radio network. Thank you for joining us once again this week. If you've missed any of today's show, you can of course catch up via our podcast. There are over, over 140 podcasts on smallbizmatters.com.au covering a whole range of topics around small business education. In fact, we have yet to repeat a topic when it comes to small business education. There's also over 70 available on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, you name your podcasting, preference and we are probably there. So have a listen, like us if you enjoy listening and get in touch if you think of a topic that we haven't yet covered. There's been some very interesting ones that have been delivered to my inbox recently. Um, People offering to come on the show and share with us their knowledge. So make sure you uh, subscribe and also subscribe to our newsletter at smallbizmatters.com.au. So today we are talking all about insurance and small business insurance. At the beginning of the program, we covered uh, what stage you need to think about uh, insuring yourself, depending on what your industry is, and the building blocks. What are the different types of insurance that you need and to what level of cover should you consider? Now, Michael, just on that note, um, we've got Michael here from BizCover here in the studio, and I wanted to ask you about how frequently you should be examining your level of cover, because I know... I mean, a lot of insurers have things set up so that it automatically renews, you automatically roll over to the next lease or whatever it is, or the the monthly installments that you're paying, or if you pay all at once. Um, How often should you be re-examining all those different aspects of your business in your opinion?
1: Yeah, that's a fabulous question. I think the the key thing there is how, how much your business changes. Uh, so again, if you set up your insurance correctly, and you, we spoke about the building blocks, if you have the correct building blocks in place, and your business isn't dramatically changing, so you're not, uh, you know, substantially larger than you were the, the year before, you don't have, um, you know, employees when you didn't have them before, you don't have offices when you didn't have them before, etc. If, if everything is relatively the same, uh, it can just roll over, and uh, you know, and, and it can go from year to year. Uh, the products don't change dramatically over the time, so you know, you're probably still adequately should. Really, when your circumstances change, when you're doing a different occupation, when you moved premises, when you all of a sudden have more contents or more stock than you used to have, that is absolutely when you should reconsider it.
0: Could I ask also, just in relation to, um, you know, you've got a a very big piece of machinery or equipment. Do you have to worry about the depreciation of that piece of equipment, does that affect it or is it basically new for old? So if you need to replace it, you just replace it. So as long as you've got that equipment, it doesn't change over the three-year life cycle of the piece of equipment. Does that make sense? Or is that something you need to consider?
1: Yeah, no, I I think it's, depending on the type of insurance policy, but really what happens is that uh, you insure your you know your your equipment for for replacement value. So as long as you're you're adequately insured and you have insured that you know your your assets, then you know that that should be okay. The key thing is if you bring on new assets that are, that haven't been insured, or if your the amount that you've insured your assets for is mm. underinsured, that becomes a bigger issue. But if
0: and that's something we forget about quite often, isn't it? We're so excited or in the process of of expanding or buying all this equipment that we forget to then do a quick call to our insurance, you know, provider and say, by the way, there's another, you know, 30, 40, $50,000 worth of equipment I need you to add on to my policy. Um, yeah. And we often forget to do that. But then, you know, if literally a week later, you're robbed or something happens and all that equipment goes, that Equipment is not insured because you haven't got the correct level.
1: Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. And and again, for most insurance policies, you don't necessarily need to specify the equipment, but it's about the sum that you've insured. Mm. So as long as it fits within that sum, then you'd be okay. But if you uh, all of a sudden have a different sum insured, of you have more, you know, more contents, more stock, more equipment, uh, then you do need to increase that. Uh, all insurance policies typically have a renewal date. Uh, some of them roll over, but you should always get. Um, some kind of information from your from your insurance provider to let you know that it 's that it's rolling over or that it 's coming up for renewal and that it 's going to roll over for the next year and that that just prompts you to say if things have changed materially since the previous year, you probably should reconsider it.
0: So all of my small businesses out there today who are thinking to themselves, oh, when was the last time I actually looked at what I was actually insured for? Why don't you go home today? It's a bit of homework for everybody. Have a look at your insurance policy. Get on the phone and talk to your policy provider and say to them, um, "So, we, what? how much am I insured for? And if you look around you and you go, wow, there's actually a lot more equipment than when I took out this policy five years ago, that's probably a good little activity for you to do is to to renew and, and it's an easy process right you've just got to let them know the additional value that you want renewed or the change in circumstances um, and then it's a pretty easy process your, your premium might go up or maybe even down
1: correct so it, it, it should be relatively straightforward.
0: So let's talk about the future and um, one of the big problems at the moment that's facing businesses that we are horribly underinsured for I am sure because I can imagine quite a number of the businesses that I deal with are is, um, is cyber insurance and digital insurance. Let's talk about the impact of those things now and into the future on small business and how we can better protect ourselves.
1: So uh, for me, the key thing about cyber insurance is it goes back to one of those building block uh, products, which is if you have a cyber event happen to you, Uh, it is unlikely you will be able to survive that event without having some form of protection or some kind of uh, assistance to help you through that. So for me, again, while small business believe that the probability is low, the severity is very high. And unfortunately, the probability is actually much higher than people realize. (laughs) So there are about 10 million cyber attacks every year. Wow. Yeah, it's a huge number. And and unfortunately, a decent percentage of those happen to small business. So um, it is not... Uh, you know, it is not something that happens to a different business or, or, you know, to another business. Uh, It is unfortunately happening very much across the board. Uh, It is happening more and more. uh, And it is absolutely, in my opinion, um, something that is relatively cheap to insure and something that people should be buying because the severity is something that you cannot handle on your own. And it's as simple as, uh, opening up an email with a virus, or someone providing you with a USB that you know you, you do a favour for someone, but you know they've they've hacked into your system. They lock down your system. They lock down your website. Uh, so any business that. You know, utilizes their website to utilizes technology. But well, you know. that's everyone. Well, in theory, that is everyone, right? Yeah. So, you know, if, if if you you know if if anyone is reliant on any form of technology, it's important to to have cyber insurance. And really, the the, the way cyber insurance really started was you have an obligation around privacy. Uh, and and you know, it's interesting because that's the thing that everyone always talks about. Well. You know, I think that's actually a secondary issue. I think yes, you absolutely have an obligation around privacy, and you need to protect your client's data, etc. But you know, an equal, an equal issue, and, and arguably a bigger issue is if you can't, you cannot operate any longer. You no longer have a business, mm. uh, and a cyber insurance policy often protects you around those things. It also assists you understand how it happened, why it happened. Uh, if there's a ransom, it pays the ransom to get your, you know, your computer unlocked. Um, it it can cover your business interruption so we spoke about business interruption earlier but business interruption under a business pack which is your traditional insurance, does not cover a cyber event.
0: I was going to ask you about that, actually, because we have talked quite a bit about business interruption. You need to have that add-on, which is the the cyber security pack with business interruption that's relating to the cyber security attack. Am I right in saying that?
1: Correct. So you need two products. The first product is your business pack, which really covers all the fundamental insurances we spoke about. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's a separate product, which is typically not covered in a business pack, and that's called cyber insurance or cyber liability policy. Uh, and that covers both your third-party exposures, i.e., your your breach of privacy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so someone has now accessed the information of your customers, and it also covers, um, or it can cover, should you elect to, to cover it, it, your your first-party losses, i.e., uh, your systems have been locked down, or uh, you know you have some kind of virus in your systems. You no longer can use your your technology. Um, you will get business interruption. So how long you you know you'll be paid per day that you can't utilize your business. Uh, Does that also
0: cover you if you, like, lose your laptop or lose your phone and somebody hacks into your system that way?
1: Yeah, so it won't cover you for the lost piece of equipment that would be under your biz pack, but assuming there is a cyber attack on that, so uh, they're able to, you know, utilize something to hack in and then... Infiltrate into your system and cause problems. Then that is what a cyber insurance policy covers. We had a great example um, a few years ago, which uh, which was when cyber insurance was just launched. Uh, we've had many cyber insurance claims with clients since then, but the first one is one I always remember because it was um, it was a consultant, a, a one person business. Um, she was a consultant that worked for um, that was doing work for for financial services, so mm-hmm. in the banks, etc. And what happened was she lost her laptop mm-hmm. uh, and someone hacked into it. Um, she had everything kind of back onto a server and, and backed up, but they corrupted all her files. She couldn't get back into it. And it was really interesting because uh, what the insurance company assisted assisted her with in that situation was identifying how she had been breached, uh, restoring all her information but then also her business interruption for the three days that she was unable to operate. Hmm. Um, so it was it was a really great outcome and it just showed how, you know, a very small business and really part of the gig economy could be impacted by cyber insurance.
0: And that's interesting you give that as an example because as you were talking in relation to what cyber security, uh, sorry, cyber insurance assists with, I was thinking to myself, oh, there's probably people out there listening going, well, I don't have any employees so nobody's going to be stupid enough to click on an email and I don't have, you know, I, I you know, I I don't have um, a huge database full of people, so I don't have to protect them because I don't really send out newsletters and in their minds, maybe thinking about all the bits and pieces that don't matter. But like you said, just imagine existing for even half a day with no access to emails. We know how much it drives us crazy when we go camping with the kids. So imagine what happens if you are locked out and the absolute sheer panic that you have and then consider, like you said, not the likelihood because that's quite high, but actually the disruption and how much that's going to affect your business uh, you know, even for just a few days, that can be monumental for mm-hmm. someone. And even just someone as simple as losing a laptop, which can absolutely happen to anybody um, and, and the effect that that can have on the business when you've even got everything backed up in the cloud. Um, we've had cybersecurity experts come on the show before and we've actually got someone coming on the next few weeks from um, Calamity. He talks about security and IT protection. Um, and they always talk about this 3 two, one idea, this idea that you've got to have three ways of backing up, two different places, and then one off site, so that if everything burns down, you've got something off site. Doing all those things and and ticking all the boxes, doesn't that mean then you don't need cyber insurance? Or do you still find people who have all those protections in place still get attacked?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the more redundancy you have and, and the more backups that you have, the better your situation. But we've got to remember that the you know, the the cybersecurity criminals are are probably a step ahead of us. A bit
0: cleverer than we are. A bit cleverer than we are and and,
1: and usually ahead of the game. Um, But the other thing is if they lock down your system, if they infiltrate your system, um, they're probably going to infiltrate everything. Um, so it 's not necessarily just about the backup it 's what happens if they take control of your website mm. it 's what happens if you don 't even know they 're within your database so you don 't even know that they 're there for a period of time and they could be doing a whole range of things within your within your business or within your database um, so So the backups and the protections and the passwords and you know all of those things absolutely assist. Uh, insurance is just another mechanism to assist you in the event that uh, you know all of the those things don't happen one of the one of the things that we 're seeing more and more often at the moment is really the sophistication of these cyber criminals has increased incredibly um, and no longer are you getting you know emails from strange names or crazy you know email addresses with lots of letters and lots of numbers that you obviously see are wrong, but you're actually getting it from a name from someone you know. Yeah. And, you know, in the olden days, we could click on that email and we could see, again, they had just created a name, but the underlying email address was was not correct. Mm. But now what's happening is they're infiltrating your system and they're sending an email from your email. Uh, And one of the things that we often see, now this is obviously in slightly bigger businesses, but you can understand the concept that it can happen to anyone, is... They'll go into an email and they'll sit there and they'll watch the way you communicate. So then they'll send an email to you know some, your your external accountant or your bookkeeper and they'll say uh, you know you know you know dear bookkeeper as usual please can you transfer fifty five thousand dollars to uh, you know to this account to pay my whatever uh, but but in addition to that can you please do five thousand dollars to this account to sort out whatever it is. And, you know, it's in the right tone, signed off by the right person with the right email address, and typically people action that. And then what the cyber criminal does is they do it again and again and again. And before you realize it, because they typically take small amounts, it's, it's added up to a very substantial amount. So there's, there's a whole range of sophistication that's uh, around the cyber security or cyber criminal uh, you know, activity, which is well more advanced than, than you know where the protection is. Um, and while the protection is absolutely excellent and you should, you know, have as much of that as you can, uh, you know, we need to be realistic that, uh, you know, some of the biggest companies in the world are being hacked at the moment and mm-hmm. they spend millions of dollars on cybersecurity. Small, smaller businesses don't have that resources.
0: Well, when a 13-year-old can hack into Apple, like happened 12 months ago. Exactly. Just so he could get a job. That was interesting. Uh, so let's, um, is that how AI is really affecting and, and and like you said, they're they're learning the way that we speak and the tone of the emails. Is that where I, AI is coming into it? And when it comes to cyber attacks,
1: uh, truthfully, I'm not sure about how they're doing that. I think that's you know probably less around AI and more around you know actually physically getting in and 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 sitting there for a while and learning. Mm. Um, I think AI is a really interesting topic though within insurance. I think there's been uh, very little innovation around. Uh, you know, around some of particularly the business insurance products and, and uh, distribution channels. Uh, and what's great to see now is that the industry is embracing a lot more of technology, utilizing AI, utilizing machine learning. Uh, and I think the way that we're starting to see that now is we, we're seeing it r- more around the distribution channel. So, you know, at BizCover, we are doing certainly a lot of AI learning what people's preferences are, the type of products that they want, uh, you know, when they prefer to be contacted, how they prefer to be contacted, the type of information they're looking for, etc. But, you know, again, that will... Expand into utilizing it for pricing algorithms um, and for products, and, and you know, really, you know, under- so it's more
0: around the streamlining of the process.
1: Absolutely, I right. think that's the, the initial benefit will be around streamlining the process to the benefit of the customer, uh, and then uh, you know, the second piece will be utilizing it around, uh, you know, for the insurance companies.
0: Let's take another quick break here on Small Business Matters, listen to some more community service announcements here at Triple H 100.1 FM, and when we come back, we're going to talk about one last really important topic, which is the future insur- of insurance and how something like. Uh, climate change might be affecting us as small businesses. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the studio. You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and Small Biz Matters Australia around Community Radio Network. My name is Alexi Boyd. We are talking all things insurance today. If you've just joined us, make sure you listen back to the podcast on smallbizmatters.com.au or wherever you get your podcasts from. We've got Michael here who is the CEO and founder of BizCover Insurance and we've been talking all about different ways to insure yourself, what you need to be aware of, things you can do to protect yourself and the different types of insurance particularly before the break about cyber insurance, which is so important. And to think of it as a different product, really, Michael, I think that that's really important. A lot of people might think that it's part of their biz pack or part of their standard insurance, but it's actually a bit of a bolt on, isn't it, where you need to cover an attack, What might happen what might happen to your database and then also what might happen to any business interruption that's relating to a cyber attack as opposed to just business interruption generally i think that's a good takeaway from today now let's talk about one last thing just before we come up to the news at the top of the hour let's talk about um the change that we can all expect to happen in the next five or ten years or so around around climate change do you think that's going to be a major effect on all businesses is it going to push up our premiums is it something we need to be aware of do we need to protect ourselves or to depend on the industry that you're in?
1: Yeah, I think it's a fascinating question. Uh, you know, climate change is a massive issue. Uh, you know, it's on the national and international agenda. Uh, and I think we all have our, uh, you know, obligation to do something about it in, in our own small way. Um, there is no doubt it'll have a massive impact on insurance because, uh, you know, weather patterns are, are very, very um, sensitive, uh, you know, to insurance results, and uh, you know, weather the patterns can create c- catastrophes and 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 very systemic issues. And if you think about it, you know, some of the hailstorms or extreme heats, etc., that we're having, uh, it really impacts, uh, you know, I- I- a number of businesses and therefore the insurance policies that they have. So the insurance industry is watching it very carefully, and and you know, is is very much uh, involved in 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 the climate change agenda. Um, I think the reality for for small business, though, is it really depends on the sector that you're in. Obviously, if you're in the agricultural sector, I think it's going to have a much bigger impact on you. Uh, if you have a large number of vehicles or anything that's in a fleet, I think that the reality is that we're seeing, you know, more often we, we are seeing, you know, hailstorms or extreme weather conditions that uh, will impact those kind of things, your crops, your vehicles, etc., Uh, But the vast majority of businesses that we spoke about today, whether it's around professionals or trades, uh, I think the impact will be less on that. Um, and, and probably won't have the same impact on pricing. But I think uh, as an overall industry, uh, as the industry grapples with, with climate change and, and the impact that that has on the number of claims, frequency of claims and severity of claims, uh, that will have, ultimately will have an impact on, on all pricing.
0: So it's a bit of a watch this space and, and see what happens. Do we have to keep an eye on our premiums? Should we be asking any questions of our, um, of our insurers um, about this or is it something that's still evolving?
1: I think it's something that's still evolving, particularly if you're not in that agricultural space. Uh, if you're in the agricultural space, I think you're probably already feeling it and, and you've already had some impact around it. Uh, but but certainly if you're in uh, you know professions, trades, and, and even most of retail, I think there's very very little impact at the moment. Um, but should you check your pricing, maybe not specifically around climate change, but you know absolutely if you uh, if you feel like you want to you know check your pricing and check the products that you have, it's it's pretty easy to do now. It's not you know, you know you can do it pretty. Um, inconspicuously and, and do it online, just you know, getting alternative quotes. So there's, there's lots of ways of doing it now, which are not as time consuming as they used to be.
0: Indeed. And that's a good takeaway from today's program, the evolution of the insurance industry. I'd like to thank you so much for coming on the program. Now, how can people find out more about BizCover, Michael?
1: Thank you very much for having me. Uh, probably the best way to find out more about us is to visit bizcover.com.au and that's b i z c o v e r.com.au. Uh we'd love to hear from you. There's there's a whole range of information on our website. You don't have to come there to transact your insurance. If you want to come there and just get a comparison quote to make sure that you're paying the right amount, you're welcome to do that. Uh, the site has a number of Australia's leading insurers on the on the panel, so we'd love to we'd love to help all small businesses and uh the best way to get us is bizcover.com.au.
0: And don't forget as well, BizCover has a fantastic range of small business education products, including BizWitty, uh, which is available through um, social media channels. And they have a great ebook if you're starting out in business as well, which yours truly has contributed to. Thank you again for coming on the show, Michael. Thank you. Now, if you've missed any of today's program, you can catch up via smallbizmatters.com.au or wherever you listen to podcasts, there are over 140 topics. We have yet to repeat a topic and there's great small business education at hand If you'd like to become a media partner as well, get in touch. Alexi at smallbizmatters.com.au. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're coming back next week. We've got one of our ATO guests coming on the program to talk to us about another rollout and some more small business education. You've been listening to Small Biz Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM.